Right, welcome to episode four of the Solid 60. Uh, sorry if it's a bit loud. Um, my housemate might still be at it online with the uh, player unknown battlefield or whatever it's called. Just can't get into that stuff. I don't know what it is. Um, but, yeah, we'll get through this as fast as we can because it's turn 30 on the 23rd of April. 2018. Do you notice how my voice goes up and down? You can thank um, Bill Burr for that. I'm not sure if it's a conscious tick or something he does to make it slightly less boring because you've got, you know, a whole hour or more sometimes of one guy. So he does need to play a little bit with his voice. Not quite as gymnastic myself, but I'll do my best. Um, I'm up to basically the last Beyond Con that I've written. I thought I had more to go, but yeah, number five. We're going to read through that. Um, and then I've got a Justice League review. And then next week, I'll just do... Um, hopefully I have a new Beyond the Con article up. I've already got it skeleton written. Uh, it's pretty exciting. It's all been happening out there in the news. Oh, who's the new hero? Well, let's go with... That's, I'm missing a hero. Um, for next week so let's chuck in I know a new season of Westworld is coming up that's a bit of a lame it's like yeah there's a new show out let's give them a medal you know they're just trying to make money come on relax but um, hopefully this works too I didn't test it normally I record a little and play it back to make sure it's working but uh no, we're just going to roll with it. Worst case is I have to do another one tomorrow. I'm certainly not going to try again tonight. It's late. This is a bit of a pattern. promised myself to go to bed early and then, well, you know, it's nearly midnight. But, uh, you know, made a commitment, so let's get to it. I would have done this earlier, but I had to do a job. I had to drive to Eastern Creek and get lost. I'm going to eat McDonald's again for dinner. If it ain't broke... Beyond the Con 5, mid-April 2018. Your fortnightly-ish breakdown of the latest news and happenings in the cosplay and pop culture world. So and I've got a whole another paragraph there. I think I'm kind of using the same blurb to start them all off. Which works. That's fine. Heroes. Number one, NFL legend Jim Brown for rescuing Stanley's lost dog. You really couldn't make this stuff up. After all the trouble he's been through recently since losing his wife last year, getting pneumonia, and being swindled by a crooked lawyer, he was visited by the cruel hand of fate once more. His darling little puppy Charlotte managed to find herself miles from home after someone left the front door open. Two days later, Stan's luck finally took a turn for the better with NFL great Jim Brown discovering the lost pooch in his backyard. See, that's why you need to read this stuff. Misspelt discovering. Also, it's um you know dated as mid-April. This actually happened, I think, around the end of March. But you know, other stuff pushed it out of the way, and finally, I got a chance to put it in there. There's a few pictures of the dog. It's an ugly dog, I got to say, but I'm sure he loves it, and uh, that's all that matters. So on we go. Thankfully, the old school method of putting posters up around the neighborhood paid off for Stan. And he was finally reunited with his scrappy pooch. Thanks, Jim. 
Now, if only the luck continues and he wins the lawsuit he just launched against said crooked attorney at law. Um, there's another article related to Stan about his blood being used in comics. Like they did a Basically, the lawyer that he's going to sue somehow got his signature on a um, contract that he'd sort of conjured up and managed to get a nurse to take all this blood out of him to the point where he was dizzy and then injected it into... It's just, you couldn't make it up. It's insane. And that was going to be a zero for this week. But it's like, that again, it happened quite a while ago. So I've got to keep it kind of relevant. Um, but yeah, I hope he sorts all that out. And it's still very unclear if he's, you know, being taken care of pro properly. His current friend, Kia Morgan, who's a young guy who wears an odd hat, just looks very shifty. Um, but... You know, he did a video saying he's alright with it. And it's his mate and his daughter. They're fine. They're taking care of him. I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. It's all a little worrying. But, yeah, fingers crossed. Hero 2, anime at Abbotsford for hosting yet another awesome cosplay day. For years, the crew at anime at Abbotsford have been putting on one of the cutest little cosplay comps around. Started as a way to draw in crowds and give back to their regular customers, it's been an unmissable event for local cosplay fans. Enjoyed by both casual cosplayers and the more dedicated long-term fans, they never lost its grassroots spirit and has gone from strength to strength since its inception. There we go, there's another edit. They never lost its grassroots spirit. Ah oh boy, ah oh boy, I'll leave this up. Got some work to do. With slight modifications over the years to layout, judging, audio, setup, <laughs> let's try that again with slight modifications over the years to layout, judging, audio setup and a laudable commitment to the free sausage sizzle that puts Bunnings to shame given the quality of its meat and toppings um, keep an eye on the Facebook page if you want to come along one day they might not get the big dollar elite power players of the cosplay world in their backyard but you will definitely feel like part of the family good luck trying to leave without at least one or two awesome toys or figures from their treasure trove of a toy store. Zeros! Zero one FX, cancelling the long-anticipated Deadpool animated series. So, for all the talk of Disney's purchase of Fox, the imminent release of Deadpool 2, or even creative differences being the reasons behind the recent cancellation of the long-anticipated Deadpool animated series, the real reason was admitted by the writer recently on Twitter. Taylor Swift. That's right, Donald Glover of Community, Solo, Atlanta, and the voice behind Childish Gambino was the lead writer behind the long-muted show. With test footage making fans salivate and edgy writing from the comic legend sure to please, it seemed like a slam dunk in the making. Unfortunately, one of the scripts proved a little too edgy for the bean counters at FX. Uh, according to Donald, they balked at a storyline involving the famous blonde singer. He tweeted the offending script and lamented the fact that they weren't allowed to l the leeway they needed to do Deadpool right. You would think given the success of the film, even though it's far from tame and doesn't seem to pull any punches, both literally and figuratively, would mean free reign for the creative team behind the cartoon. But nope. This excerpt from the script might have raised some eyebrows upstairs. So this is Deadpool speaking. You know... I'm not mad about this whole cancelled thing. 
I mean, is it even a good time to have a violent, gun-loving white man ranting on TV, other than the president? Do you think they cancelled the show because of racism? Yeah, all the writers were black. The references were pretty black too. I heard they went over lunch budget ordering Jamaican food at least once a week. So that's a bit confusing. Like he's talking about the cancellation of his own show in character and referencing the people that are writing him. I know they do the whole fourth wall thing a lot and that's cute. But wow, that just does my head in. That's There's a line and he's crossing it right there. But that's okay. It's hard not to love. Um, I keep forgetting his name. It might be because he has two. Um, Donald Glover is not a difficult name to remember. I don't know why I have a problem with that. But um, I do enjoy his humor and can't wait to watch Atlanta. Um, yeah, I saw a clip today on YouTube of one of the scenes where it's this guy that... Uh, it's like a fake news report about someone that decides they're transracial. So it's this young black guy who lives at home with his mum and decides he identifies as a 35-year-old white man. So he starts dressing like one. He tells everyone he works at Coke. It's, yeah, just check it out, trust me. It is very well made. Um, so anyway, sorry, Mr. Glover. Hopefully his role as Lando in the latest Star Wars spin-off Solo will help take the edge off. But it's still a huge disappointment for fans. Let's cross our collectively burnt fingers that once Disney is in charge, they give it another look. Don't hold your breath, though. Zero Two. Lindsay Lohan pursuing Rockstar Games. It's been a while since the star of Mean Girls and Herbie was in the news. After a well-publicized bout of alcoholism and substance abuse, she's slowly been trying to claw her way back into the world of celebrity. Unfortunately for all her attempts so far... Um, mm, so there's something I need to fix. Unfortunately, all her attempts so far have failed miserably including her litigation against Rockstar Games for using her likeness in some artwork displayed while Grand Theft Auto V is loading. The first court rightly threw it out in 2016. Now the Court of Appeals has finally and inevitably upheld the original verdict, a victory for the makers of the most popular and profitable entertainment product of all time. Grand Theft Auto V has sold over 90 million copies since its release in 2013 on a myriad of platforms. She only wanted $40 million, which is a drop in the bucket for the infamous games publisher, but still, it's a win for common sense and fair play all around. Seriously, she doesn't even have natural blonde hair. Do you see a resemblance? And then I've got some comparison shots. Uh, there's two pieces of artwork that they think, um, you know, are basically imitating her. I see the resemblance, but again, it could be like every other blonde girl in a bikini in Southern California. So she was definitely pushing it. And then finally, in memoriam, Isao Takahata. The lesser known but equally powerful force behind the Japanese animation house Studio Ghibli, this prolific artist directed such moving cinema classics as The Grave of the Fireflies, you bastard, and The Tale of Princess Kaguya. I haven't seen the second one, but a Grave of the Fireflies. Oh, don't watch it if you've got a... Um, if you're overly sentimental. I mean, it's... Yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but it's got to be one of the saddest films I've ever seen, animated or otherwise. It's just heartbreaking stuff. He lived to the ripe old age of 82 and lived life to the full. 
Let's all raise a hot glass of sake to this gentleman of anime. Kampai. So I like that way uh, that went. I dropped it down to two zeros and two heroes. Um, so let's hope that works. So I'm going to leave that up because obviously I've, it's got a bit of work to do. One or two spelling mistakes, but otherwise not too bad. I'll get on to the writing of the next one tomorrow. But for now, let's get back to the website. I'm going to have to start digging through some of my older articles. Uh, for example, the Justice League review. We're um, only 13 minutes in, so I might have to do the uh, two movie reviews. Hopefully that's uh, bearable for those out there. Uh, Justice League, you know, obviously it came out last year. I haven't got a date on this, but it's been around. Not everyone was happy. Let's see what I thought when it came out. This long-anticipated movie, 10 years in the making, has finally hit the cinemas across Australia. The question on, question on everyone's lips, did he finally do it? Did Dax, Zack Snyder get his ducks in a row and actually produce a film that would by and large please everyone? The short answer seems to be no. That's not to say it wasn't an enjoyable romp. This reviewer had a ball for the most part, and I believe the most, that most comic fans and young people new to DCEU will find just as much to get excited about. But highbrow film critics and anyone looking for the subtlety of the Nolan Dark Knight trilogy will be left severely wanting. Justice League is about fun and adventure. Rather than letting its individual members spend all their time brooding, the movie spends a considerable amount of time by bringing together its newest parts. The Flash, Barry Allen, El Zippy, Weisenheimer, Wreathed in Lightning. What is a Weisenheimer? I don't remember writing that, but okay. Aquaman, Arthur Curry, an underwater champion with a chest covered in muscles and tattoos. Finally, Cyborg, Victor Stone, a machine man built from metal. Exotic alien energy with serious attitude. Just like the ensemble cast on screen, the behind-the-scenes action was apparently just as crowded with not one, but two directors overseeing the production. After Zack Snyder bowed out with most of the shooting completed due to personal issues, fans were sympathetic upon hearing the news. Furthermore, relieved to hear that veteran superhero franchise journeyman Josh Whedon was on board to pick up where Zack left off. The immediately fired composer Junkie XL and brought in good old Danny Elfman to introduce a more classic sound to the proceedings. Both the original music scores of 1989's Batman and the early Superman films were referenced in to thrilling effect for those who remember them. While Wonder, Man's Wonder Woman's scene stuck to the theme of Hans Zimmer, who so masterfully produced, introduced her solo title. Just as in that film, every scene she graced was elevated by her presence. Every smirk and twinkle of the eye was delivered right on point. A slightly forced romance element between Batman and Diana Prince only served to make Bruce Wayne look like an embarrassed teenager. As Wonder Woman gliding effortlessly past his almost Hugh Grant-esque verbal fumbling. The real... That's, that's ironic that I fumble on that word, but I'm just going to move on. The real heart-wrenching moments were supposed to be between Superman and Lois Lane. Their reunion did have its touching moments, but I personally found more pathos in the relationship between Barry Allen and his imprisoned father. In fact, that dysfunctional dynamic is part of the only real character arc in the entire film. The Flash, much like Cyborg, only seems to be learning the full extent of his powers as he goes, and by the denouement is a lot more confident both as a young man and a superhero. 
In contrast to his fellow heroes from start and finish, the story has no gradual realisations about their place in the world or how they need to change to become better, more well-rounded people. They arrive and depart fully formed, with only Cyborg having a brief internal struggle before rapidly becoming the team hacker. Aquaman plays a stereotypical surly surfer who routinely swigs whiskey from the bottle before diving into 20-foot swells and shooting off into the depths of the ocean like some kind of long-haired torpedo. Superman does have a bit of a pet cemetery moment, but going, you know, going into details will be a bit spoiler. Horrific. And either way, someone gives him a Snickers soon enough. Batman drops the occasional quip to lighten the mood, thanks to Josh Whedon's script tweaks, but largely plays the same grumpy old man with the weight of the world on him that he did in uh, Batman vs. Superman. Critical response has been a mixed response at best. <laughs> How did I not see that? Um, but there seems to be a consensus that Affleck phoned it in. Ezra shined and Gal Gadot shone brightest of all. Let's hope Ben can dig deep and surprise everyone when he reprises his role in the forthcoming Batman films coming soon, late next year. <laughs> Jesus. Or early 2019. Coming soon, late next year. Jesus, dude. With The Flash coming out in March and Aquaman a few months later, it's going to be a busy year for the DCEU. That's a mouthful. I will be hoovering up as much cinematic content as they put out, but I really hope they can find a more consistent tone and start to build the character's backstory a little more. While they are all hugely popular in the comics world, outside of that, only Batman is a known quantity. I'm not sure releasing the team film before the mainstream audience got to know them was a gamble that paid off. I have at least read most of the comics and seen some of the television shows, both cartoon and on CW. However, even I found it hard to get too emotionally invested in the new guys. Given the relatively short running time of just less than two hours, they could only do so much to connect the audience with the heroes. Personally, I prefer the Marvel strategy of building a relationship with the main players first before unleashing them all at once onto the big screen. I'm also a fan of how Marvel successfully integrates their TV properties into the cinematic universe. As most fans seem to agree, with a lot of consternation over The Flash being played by a new actor. Thankfully Ezra Miller does pop on screen, both due to his much more battle-ready and colourful suit and his sparkling charm. More Ezra. If there's an upside, it allows DC to tell the same stories in a different way with a much bigger budget. Uh, much like how the unfortunately fractured Marvel Universe, Fox, adding X-Men, Fantastic Four, etc., has the upside that certain films would not get made by Disney, like Deadpool and Logan, end up greenlit by a much braver boardroom over at Fox, with DC keeping the Cineverse, cinema universe a closed loop. It will hopefully keep the storyline easier to follow. I'm really looking for that big payoff with Darkseid showing up in the next Justice League adventure. It sure won't be hard to top the rather cliche and bland Steppenwolf villain of this instalment. So, the verdict? Uh, all up a solid romp with more some familiar faces and a few fresh ones in the mix. The sudden last minute director change does not go unnoticed with the markedly different styles, occasionally clashing but overall the experience was a positive one. It didn't completely bowl me over, like Wonder Woman, but, but the fast-paced action, steady flow of witty banter, and self-knowing winks, 
to the audience hit all the right marks for me. I strongly recommend with some room for improvement. 7 out of 10. So that's uh, that review. The Black Panther movie review. Because we're only 20 minutes in. This is going to have to be a short one, people. So, Black Panther had a lot more fun with that. Um, I got 7 likes. Let's make that 8. Opening with a huge box office superhero movie and an epic debut that welcomes him to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Black Panther kicking down doors in multiplexes all around the world and wowing audiences that range from wide-eyed kid being taken to the first blockbuster, seasoned fans to entire families wondering what all the fuss is about. That was one sentence. That's a terrible habit I've had since high school. I'm going to have to keep an eye on that. always got told that um, my sentences are too long. And that's where it hurts if you have to read it out loud. Um, this sure exceeded expectations since Blade and an awesome way to start Black History Month. Though I think that paragraph got messed a bit by the editor. Taking my own nine-year-old to the largest screen we could find in Sydney, we sat back and enjoyed the visual feast and emotional roller coaster that is Black Panther. Director Ryan Coogler of Creed and Fruitvale Station fame runs a tight ship. The pacing was fast with a capital F, but didn't leave in anything important out, story-wise. Essentially, it's a Lion King reboot crossed with all the best Marvel origin films, a dash of James Bond, and a light dusting of Charlie's Angels. The last one is pushing it, but I was hard-pressed to think of another film which features so many strong female characters who do just as much, if not more, ass-kicking than the male leads. There are at least four powerful women who make no compromises when it comes to fighting for truth, justice, and the Wakanda way. Yeah, in my head, I thought that would be clever. Not only is it a win for women in cinema, but it's been celebrated as a huge first for black representation, with almost every black actor from American and English cinema sliding into a role somewhere in the film. We have Forrest Whitaker, Chadwick Boseman, Daniel Kaluuya, Angela Bassett, Michael B. Jordan, the list is endless. So, the number, so is the number of touching stories about kids coming out of the cinema giggling excitedly about which character they identify with most, and that is just one of this film's most enduring legacies. It's been a long time coming, but now finally we have a generation of young black boys and girls who can look up on the silver screen and see themselves, not only in a Hollywood blockbuster film, but in the lead roles and asking themselves, hey, that could be me one day, why don't I get into this? They don't have to spend decades in the stand-up comedy trenches to become the next Eddie Murphy or win 10 Super Bowls to become successful. Who knows? They could be the next iteration of Black Panther or hopefully countless other headlining roles. The big question on everyone's lips though was, is it any good? After all the hype, it would be a huge disappointment if it became just another big flop like Battlefield Earth, Green Lantern or Jupiter Ascending. As you probably know by now, it was definitely not a flop, and it was certainly critically acclaimed with a certified fresh score on Rotten Tomatoes of 97%, which is insanely high for any movie, let alone a Marvel movie. Not that Marvel movies get rated poorly, but, you know, 97%. Just insane. I myself didn't look away for a second from the drama, pathos, and uh, because it's a Marvel movie, occasionally laugh on screen occasional laugh on screen that makes more sense um 
it's all about where the emphasis goes. So finally, following the journey of a young man mourning the loss of his beloved father, and suddenly thrust into the spotlight as both king, one of the most powerful, albeit secretly so, nations on earth, and a superhero. Being able to balance this responsibility is a common thread throughout the story, and the weight of all those expectations clearly shows. However, he quickly learns he will have to fight to maintain both of those mantles when an interloping cousin attempts to usurp the throne. The betrayal for both the hero and the villain is deep, which helps make Michael B. Jordan's character Killmonger more compelling. Wow, that's... yeah, I'm going to have to fix that. Given his backstory and the wrongs done to him in the name of Wakanda, it's no wonder he wants to exact revenge both on his ancestral home and the world he actually grew up in. If there's one complaint, it's just that he just doesn't get enough screen time. He shows up briefly in the first act, then you don't see him again until the final third, which really kicks off. Oh boy, is it worth the wait though. If nothing else can come out of the mess that was Fantastic Four, then at least we got Mr. Jordan. If it hadn't been such a miserable failure then, the charisma of Michael B. Jordan would not have been available for this film. He is the most is the best Marvel adversary in a long time. I hesitate to call him a villain, as he was so compelling with only small changes in circumstances could have been easily a hero people would follow. All the tribes involved come down into a huge showdown with everything from armoured rhinos charging into battle to aerial dogfights between jet fighters that wouldn't be out of place on Star Wars. It's a tense, gripping opening for the newest Marvel character in the MCU, and given the box office receipts, so far, not the last we'll see, the most worthy king of them all. Right, and then we've got a bit of cosplay inspiration notes. Well, there's five tribes. Border tribe, inspired by Lesotho architecture, language, and uh, they're sticking to blue and wood as their motif. It's um, a lot of photos thrown in here, so it's kind of hard to read off properly without a visual aid. So let's just move down to... Well, there's a bit here about the world itself. Um, a Black Panther and the Royal Palace uses a motive of black and purple, but the real money will be in guys and hopefully girls who don the Black Panther suit itself. Not a cheap or easy proposition by any means, but we can't wait to see what cosplayers come up with by the time Oz Comic Con and Supernova rolls in. Uh, who are you thinking about cosplaying? If it's a character like Killmonger, there might be some issues with whitewashing, so do keep in mind that it may offend some people. If you cosplay as a character who is black, as long as you don't go as far as putting on blackface makeup, you'll probably be okay. This is certainly an evolving space though, so discuss it with your peers before deciding on what you want to do. There's always um, Claw or Everett Ross though. To be honest, they really don't get anything too cool to wear in this outing. The country itself clearly has a lot of work to put into it as well. The visuals carry a sci-fi aesthetic crossed with a grungy but very colourful African messiness. Shades of District 9 came to mind, but without the despair. Apparently it has a name and it's Afrofuturism. It's a concept that alongside pulling inspiration from Afropunk and biomimetics features heavily in the film. The language spoken by Wakandans is a real language, Sosa, a South African language characterised by clicks and glottal stops. 
um, bit of trivia here. It's the same language that is native to Nelson Mandela. It's from the Cape region of South Africa. Mr. John Carney, who plays T'Challa's father, T'Chaka, is Sosa. So he started and agreed to that language being the language of Wakanda in Captain America Civil War. In the end, it became the top grossing film in history. To its release, directed and written by African-Americans Ryan Coogler and Joe Robert Cole, featuring a predominantly black cast with the first major movie superhero played by an African protagonist. We at Beyond Cosplay salute all involved in putting together such a stellar production and hope they get started on the second instalment as fast as Black Panther gets in and out of that badass suit. There we go. So that's that. I'm at um, half an hour. So I might just dribble on a bit about uh, what I've been up to this week. Basically, try not to check Facebook. Um, seen do too much of that. Even at Ironfest, I found myself midway through the markets or um, even the cosplay comp. I'll just see if I've got any notifications. Uh, to be fair, there was a lot of time spent by the contestants just talking to the judges. So once I got my photos, all there was to do was wait. If that was, if there's any complaint other than the tent being a bit small and for my camera not lit the way I'd like, it was a little. If you're sitting there naked eye, you're fine. You can see what's going on. But um, if you're trying to take photos that look amazing on, you know, the internet, you do. I wouldn't have minded a bit more light, but that's just me being picky. It was a really good comp. Iron Fest in Lithgow every year. That's my plan for the next well hopefully as long as I can do this podcast um, I just I can't think of anything that good it's a little bit of a drive but you know stayed there overnight on Saturday by myself for the first time and we'll see if that's the case again next year hopefully things get a little better in that regard I still had a good time had some friends up there Hazel from Banana Split um, Peter Stein the uh, Sydney Joker hosted the cosplay comp along with um well, I can't remember all the names of the judges, but I know Kitty Fett was right in there. Um, doing a great job as usual. I uh, can't fault them on the judging or any of the other aspects of it. Um, some great entrants. Uh, I'll probably be talking more about that on the next Banana Split once I figure out when that's going to happen. So, again, we, we really got to get Hazel involved because she was there um, and another friend that... Uh, turned up and apparently I found out lives closer than I realised so I'll try and get both of them uh, suitable time and we'll, we'll really uh, dissect the weekend um, it's hard to come up with a good spin on that because I mean an event's an event and after a while there's only going to be so much variation like going I think like the weekend that makes four at least of them that I've been to and you know yeah if it ain't broke you don't really need to fix it um so it's getting to a point where i know pretty much exactly what's going to happen and when you know so it's maybe some of the novelty of it's worn off um but it's still a great place to be and if you're into any of those you know reenactment type worlds they've got it all like vietnam era marines um world war ii nazis versus you know again the gi guys and all the tanks and the various you know they've got a artillery piece that might be anti-aircraft 
um, and all that stuff fires and bangs away at each other and they've got bloody explosions that leave your ears ringing for minutes leave your chest heaving with the amount of concussive shock waves that roll up through the grounds um, you know you hear dogs barking for hours so it's certainly a visceral visual feast um, I can't recommend it more so but more about that on banana split it is really going to be a short one because I'm pushing into Tuesday now um, <laughs> And it's another 5am wake up as usual. Or actually before that. The snooze button does get used quite liberally, unfortunately. Um, and then, yeah, back to work. It's really quiet at the moment. And it's it's got to the point where I'm a little bit worried that the business isn't um, doing as well as it could. Because if this goes under, then, yeah, it's a catch-22. And I'm always kind of bringing this up, up when I talk about it with friends. It's like... Um, it's really great when things slow down because you can go in, do two hours work, come home and have a nap and, and you're like, oh my God, I'm getting paid to just cruise around and it's really, really sweet. But the problem is that can't, you know, keep, it's, it's not something they could afford to keep doing. So uh, on the other hand, I'd rather have a little bit more work, you know, not the 12 hour days. I'm not a big fan of those because you don't usually get Obviously, we're paid by the hour, but being full-time, there's no... It's rare that I get any actual overtime. I had some tonight, of course, but because it's so late, much later on, you get that little extra kick. But if I start at 8 and finish at 5 or 6, that's it. But you get your 8 hours still. So I want a happy medium, like 5 or 6 with a few big fills, and that just stays steady. Yeah, but I mean, how long can you... Yeah, no one else... There's, what, the three other drivers... Richard, the boss, and it's like, yep, no one seems vaguely bothered by the fact that diesel's being banned in, like, nearly every European country within the next 20 years. I'm sure that's just passenger vehicles, but, you know, given that's pretty much all we sell, um, that's got to be concerning. And I know the big boss is sort of like, I don't think he's looking 20 years ahead. He's he's kind of be you know cashing out before then, and that's what concerns me. I've got at least another, I don't know, 30 years of working ahead. So uh, yeah, given it's got to be private, I can't go back to government. Just got to hope uh, things stay rosy. Uh, and he, you know, to be fair, we talked about it the other day when I got a new truck delivered. Um, it's not quite ready yet, but I had to drive it back from uh, Rockdale. Sutton's uh, brand new Isuzu with about 90 k's on it. Uh, it's auto. It's got all the mod cons, Bluetooth. Um, it's it's pretty sweet. I got to admit, a little bigger than I'd like. Um, so we'll see how that goes parking it. But um, yeah, he's making all these big capital expenditures and um, doesn't seem concerned about the the slowdowns. So he knows something I don't. I guess just have to trust in it and. Um, try not to blow the few savings I do have. <laughs> I ran into a Dodge Ram at the Ironfest. It's kind of my dream car. It's a bit ridiculous. Like, I can't think of one practical reason other than, you know, if there's a hard rubbish day and I see something I like or I'm on Gumtree and, you know, there's a dresser or cupboard that I absolutely have to have, I just got to drive over there and get it, which you can't do with a Golf. Um, but, you know, you could buy a ten thousand dollar van and do the same thing so it's to be honest it's more about the look and the feel and the the image of it 
anything else and uh, managed to talk to the owner of a 2016 or 17 Dodge Ram. Uh, he was pretty happy with his. He's, he, all he kept saying was just buy one, man, buy one, you re won't regret it. He was fitting his kids in there and pulling a massive trailer, of course, um, which again, I mean, that's a way you could probably justify it if you had a boat or a couple of horses or anything, you know, large enough uh, to justify the kind of money that you would, you know, it's a hundred grand, like, plus, I I don't know why I'm even talking about it. Like, will I ever realistically be able to afford that? Yeah, we'll see. You've got to stay positive. So, And the other thing that bothers me is that, and that's the real Sophie's choice, is that the same amount, you could buy a GTR. I wouldn't get discounted petrol, but, I mean, it's a GTR. So it's going to be real tough. If I ever get to a point where I can um, manage that kind of financing power, then, yeah, that's... Uh, going to be hard to resist the call of the G, uh, the Japanese Godzilla on four wheels I've, I've you know I've always liked big cool trucks but um Jesus being inside a uh, I, I don't know I guess I'll just have to drive everything and see so anyway it's it's a material thing it's, it's not going to make me happy I know that logically uh you still like they say wherever you go there you are um I'm not going to suddenly walk around grinning ear to ear from morning till dusk as soon as I get the keys but um, I don't know I guess in the short term it's nice to have give yourself a goal that's concrete and specific and not like well I'll just write something amazing that will turn people's heads around and you know more vague uh, goals that's at least one that you can put on the wall and visually specific thing to hold on to so um, of course there's more important things like family and friends and love and um, learning to be a better person, but hey, it's yeah, there's something physically, viscerally, specifically appealing about just having that particular vehicle or whatever it is, material possession you want in mind, and then working towards that. You know, you, you start trimming the fat wherever you can. Um, Obviously, I've never been good at that um, in a big way, but I'm, I'm definitely spending less than I normally would on luxuries. So, uh, yeah, we'll see if that pays off. Um, anyway, that that was going to have to do me. We're looking at we're over forty. I'm happy if we make it past forty. It's not a solid sixty minutes, but it's not about the minutes. It's about the years of putting this in and um, evolving. You know, I do want to include like a news style uh, segment um, I'm trying to keep all that fun stuff for banana split but obviously it's not as frequent so I might have to put something in here uh, like we did have a few deaths we had Vernon Troy uh, we had um, you know the little guy from uh, Austin Powers and a few other films the mini me uh, terrible tragedy there apparently had alcohol substance abuse issues which is kind of a similar um, problem that Avicii had and he, now he's passed away uh, the famous DJ I kind of I'd heard the name there was a documentary on Netflix recently which I'd meant to watch but I did jump on Spotify when I heard the uh, announcement and went through his catalogue and was pleasantly surprised and some really good stuff on there especially the Hey Brother fantastic song so 
it's going to be in my um, you know regular playlist for a while now um, yeah but it's really sad. I mean he was 28 it's ridiculously young to see his birth year of 1989 like it's uh, I remember what I was doing that year so to achieve so much like he was selling out concerts making 20 million dollars a pop it was insane and then to just I don't know obviously I've lived a bit longer but I think he's probably had a bigger life oh, well not probably definitely um, you know whether that's I don't know how how he was at home what his family life was like but uh, professionally obviously achieved a lot more than most people ever will in a lifetime so there's that there's and the art you know that will carry on long after he's gone so um, yeah it's just a pity that that whole substance abuse issue is still I, I don't think that's ever going to leave humanity alone given part of our makeup occasionally is to self-medicate and uh, there's, uh, there's addictive personalities that's that's going to be something we'll struggle with until the um, slow heat death of the universe I think um, you know but hey he did achieve success he's got to be it's hard to be thankful when you're not around, but um, there's, I'm sure there's millions of others that um, were just as, if not more, talented that passed away for similar reasons that and didn't even get a look in um, art-wise. You know, or a lot of artists. Um, you know, Van Gogh is a famous one where he just didn't see any success um, until well after he was he'd passed away. So. At least he got to see his work appreciated. Kevin Smith was just as um, sanguine about his heart attack. I mean, he, he didn't bargain with the devil or God. He just said, I had a good run. So you got to admire that kind of um, equanimity in the face of death. Like, I I know I would be scrambling to... Um, and it's not like he said, you know, I was still happy to be alive, but um, he just knew he'd had it really good. And um, It's an interesting perspective, like coming at it, um, a recent Smodcast and I'm a bit pissed at them to be honest because um, they've made all the back catalogue uh, off limits unless you pay for it so I'm glad I caught up um, already but but yeah that's another issue essentially I was talking to um, a writer and they, and they both were like we've had so much win and so much luck in our lives that <laughs> they both agree that in their own logic it kind of makes sense um, to not go on roller coasters, to not go to the beach. They basically don't take any risks. They don't have to um, because they figure that they've had so much good luck, um, you know, with their career and their family that as soon as they, you know, willfully risk their lives doing anything else that, you know, it's, it's going to turn, that the, the balance will swing the other way. So it's, a, it's an odd certainly not something I could ever apply to my life um, given that I should start jumping off bridges uh, going by that logic because you know, certainly uh, can't claim any success in any of those spheres but um, you know let's not get maudlin uh, could all one of my biggest uh, ways of coping is just glass half full silver lining who's that philosopher um, he wrote The Optimist, Candide, he would be proud, just got to keep going and it will get better 
so we'll see how we go with this. That's uh, another week with Patrick rambling along. Um, read my reviews. Love to hear feedback, uh, of course. So get in touch. Um, any suggestions are welcome. For now, though, that's, uh, you know, just after the middle of April. We're going to wrap it up here right on midnight. Um, something about, yep, <laughs> have a solid week. And I'll, I'll see you back here in seven. Good night. Mm-hmm.